Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. My name is Julian Carl, CEO and co-founder of Synergen, and I'm really pleased to be able to share with you another content episode today where I take the time to introduce you to some frameworks that we use which are all about relationships. And that is how do we build good relationships, what are the characteristics of a good relationship are, how do we rebuild trust in relationships, and importantly, you know, how do we focus on building relationships with our clients as leaders. So once again, head over to iTunes Stitcher, wherever you're, you're listening, and leave a review. would really love to hear what you think, and happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian speaks with leaders from around Australia to bring you their leadership story and share their insights about being a leader. To further help you build your leadership capability, Julian shares his own insights about leadership and the tools and techniques he uses as a leader. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. Really happy to be sharing another content episode with you. And today I'm really going to focus on this idea of relationships and what we can do to build stronger relationships, how we can build stronger relationships and why relationships are such an important component of of leadership. Some of you who have been through my programs would have heard me often say that I believe one of the first principles of leadership is that relationships are a key to your success. So what I'm hoping to do today is walk you through some of the the training material that, that we've developed around this because I think that there's a lot of good little models and frameworks in there. And I'm also going to encourage you that if you if you like some of this content specifically, shoot me through an email because uh, I'm more than happy to share with you the, the training material which we have, which will really, really put it into context for you. So the first thing I'd like you to think about is why do we need great work relationships? And I think we need to start off with the idea that you can't really build your network without establishing relationships. And For those that know me, you will know that I'm a big, passionate believer in the power of networking and approaching networking from the perspective of what you can give, not what you can get. And I think it's also really important to think about the fact that some people in your network are also going to be your friends. These are the people that you've worked with for a long period of time. These are people that have made that transition with you from having some form of professional relationship into some form of uh, friendship-based relationship. So I think it's important to really start to think about why we really need to build these great work relationships. One of the things which often gets thrown around is the idea that, that some people get job opportunities or promotions or salary increases because they know someone. And look, occasionally that might play a part, but I think relationships is all about really building and with that framework in mind that old saying know like and trust and I think if people get to know you and know what you're capable of they're far more likely to suggest to you hey have you thought about applying for this role or have you thought about this opportunity that's in front of us so I think that know like and trust idea is 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 really powerful when it comes comes to relationships and I think it's important to think about how trust comes about it, it, it doesn't come back with a click of the fingers it, it comes around over a period of time and so one of the things I want to really start to for well, the first thing I want to start to focus in on is what we've 
uh, determined are the, the five characteristics of a good relationship. And so the first one that, that we think is trust. You know, it's a foundation of every good relationship. I mean, you think about how it feels when you trust your team and you trust your colleagues. You end up forming a powerful bond. This helps you work and communicate more effectively. And if you trust the people that you work with, you can also be more open and honest in your thoughts and actions. And you don't have to waste time and energy watching your back or wondering what, what other people are saying because you've got that foundation of trust. And I think it's it's one of the absolute cornerstones of any good relationship. And again, you, you think about the this in a, a personal context. If you don't have strong levels of trust in your personal relationships, you're going to be in trouble. Second characteristic of a good relationship is this idea of mutual respect. And this is where you respect the people that you work with, you appreciate the value that they bring to you, but they also value yours and what you bring to the relationship. And this is an interesting one because you're not going to be able to get this mutual respect until you take some time to understand each other and understand yourself. Because it's not until that point where you can say, okay, I understand why that person is different, but I also understand the value of them being different. And I think that it's a, it's a really important point to hone in on because if the, if the respect is one way, I wouldn't say it's a, it's, it's a great working relationship. I think the other thing we need to think about is this idea of mindfulness. And this is about you taking responsibility for your words and actions and also being present in the moment. I think that those who are mindful are careful and they attend to what they say and they really don't let their negative emotions impact people around them. They have a way of managing their emotions and managing their state and that comes from being present in the moment and acknowledging what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. I think the fourth characteristic of a good relationship is this idea of diversity. And diversity is a really interesting point because the conversation in business right now often tends to be uh, about gender diversity. And I don't want to take anything away from that, that, that argument because I, I fully support it and fully agree with it. I think there's more that can be thought about it in terms of diversity. I think diversity of experience is important. I think diversity of uh, thinking styles and personality styles are important. And of course, all the what we classify as demographic uh, factors such as gender, uh, age, ethnicity, religious, political views, all of those things. I think if you, if you can build a really robust relationship with someone who does is different to you, I think that's really going to add to the richness of the quality of relationship because you're going to be confronted in, with new ideas and new ways of viewing things. And I think that, that that's really important. And I think the final characteristic of a good relationship is this idea of open communication. And this is whether we're doing it via email, we're doing it face-to-face, -face, we're doing it on the phone, we're doing it by text. However we're doing it, how open are we with it? How transparent are we with it? And I think that, you know, I believe people have a really high BS meter. And so I think when people aren't being honest and transparent, that people pick up on it. So this idea of being open, and if there's something commercially sensitive that you can't share with someone, will you just let them know that? And my experience tells me that generally, most people are comfortable with that. So just to recap the five characteristics, you've got trust, you've got mutual respect, you've got mindfulness, you've got diversity, and you've got this idea of open communication. So what I'd like you to do is just have a quick little think about your closest relationships 
and how they stack up. So I would think you would find that all your close relationships have higher level of trust. There's the respect, there's the mindfulness bit. I'd imagine some of you have some quite diverse relationships and think about the communication. Now I'd like you to think about the relationships which you think aren't so strong. Which one of those five are they missing? And what that does is that gives you that focal point, that, that place to start and say, okay, well, I realize that uh, I'm, not, I'm not showing a lot of respect in that relationship, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that. So I really think it's a good little way to do a little self-diagnostic on the quality of your relationships. So now that we've spoken about some, some characteristics of what forms a good relationship, I want to give you some insight into how you can start to build these good working relationships. The first thing I'd like you to think about is developing your people skills. You know, relationships always start with good people skills. How well do you collaborate? How well do you communicate? How well do you deal with, with conflict? And so these people skills really, really play an important part because they enable you to, to understand the other person. They enable you to shift your communication style. They enable you to appreciate the other person and the challenges they might be going through. So it's really important to think about how you can go about developing your people skills. I'd like you to also think about identifying your relationship needs. So what do you need from the relationship? What do you need from others and how do you know what they need from you? So uh, if you think about a leader and an employee scenario, the employee needs certain things from their leader. They need direction. They need to feel secure. They need to feel psychologically safe. They need to feel as though they're respected, that they're part of the, the, the team. And likewise, you know, what, what does the leader need from the relationship with the employee? Well, they need someone that's committed. They need someone that's prepared to implement their strategies. They need someone that's you know, prepared to ask questions and, and perform at a really high level. So I think it's really important to just take stock of your closest relationships and think about what do you need from those relationships and, and what do those people need from you in that relationship. And you'd be surprised because people need different things from you. And as a leader, your, your, your people, some are going to need direction, some are going to need a little bit more being left alone. Some are going to need more constant feedback. Some are going to need less feedback. There's, there's taking the time here to really think about the relationship needs is, is important. I'd like you to think about how you schedule time to build your relationships. So relationships are formed when, when people have a reason to interact in some shape or form. And if you really want to develop those relationships, that, that's about spending time. That's about making an effort to build the relationship. If you think about this in a personal context, you first go on a date and you meet someone and, and all that, and you make that decision about whether you want to spend more time with that person, that's how the relationship develops. The same thing happens in a, in a professional setting. The more time you've worked with someone, the, the, the more closely you work with someone, that's how the relationships develop. So when you've identified who you want to have a relationship with, you're probably going to need to schedule some time. Now that might happen naturally because you're doing a particular project together, but I think really focusing in on the time is important. Next thing I'd like you to consider is how aware are you and how much do you focus on your emotional intelligence? So the last content episode I did was really around the six emotional leadership styles and I touched on some of the emotional intelligence uh, aspects of that. 
But really, AI or emotional intelligence is, is really about understanding yourself and understanding others. And so the more work you can do on understanding yourself, that is why you do things the way you do them and, and why you are the way you are and why you react the way you react to certain situations, it's going to allow you to navigate through the complex nature of many relationships. And if you can start to look and understand others and, and anticipate how they're going to react or why they are the way they are, that's going to put you in a very good position for being able to build a solid relationship because you've got that self-awareness and you've got that understanding of the other person. Next thing I'd like you to think about is this idea of appreciating others, you know, appreciating what they bring to the relationship. And in many cases, it's going to be going to be something very different to what you bring to the relationship. There's that old saying, opposites attract. And I think that so many times that's true in business as well. I mean, if I think about uh, my business relationship with my business partner, Kate, we are very, very, very different people. But as a team, we work very well together and we bring different things to the party when it comes to leading Synergen. So I'm very, very uh, keen on, on everyone taking the time to appreciate what everyone brings. And it, it leverages back to the first characteristic of, of, a, of a good relationship, which is that diversity piece. So, you know, take the time to appreciate what others are bringing. I'd also like you to think about being positive towards building a relationship. That is really taking the time to, you know, focus on the relationship and look at the positive aspects of every relationship that you that you have. And and people like being around positive people and people like uh, surrounding themselves with people like that. So if you're positive about the relationship, highly likely the other person is going to be as well. Next thing I'd like you to consider is one where I do believe that you have to make your own determination about what these are for you. And it's this idea of managing your boundaries. It's a really interesting debate now because with social media, uh, the nature of relationships is changing. So for example, uh, a lot of the population are on, on Facebook and there's really this, this idea, well, should you be Facebook friends with your peers? Should be you Facebook friends with your boss, customers, suppliers, and I think this is really something which people need to determine for themselves. I don't think there is a, a, a right and wrong approach to this. It's really about what you feel comfortable doing and what sort of boundaries you like to set when it comes to the type of relationships. I think the line between professional and personal is getting more and more blurred with the, with the way technology is taking us. And so I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question to consider. And some people I've come in contact with are very, very clear on, on their views on it. And other people are less, uh, less clear. So have a think about that one. Second last thing I'd like you to think about in terms of how to build good work relationships is this idea of, of gossip and, and what we can do to avoid it. I'm a big believer that gossip doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve the people that are gossiping and it doesn't serve the people that they're gossiping about. It's a waste of time, it's a waste of energy, it doesn't bring anything. And so I think, you know, always, you know, take the time, step back, make sure you're not getting engaged in those type of conversations. And, and if someone does try to engage you in those type of conversations, I always encourage people to try to steer away from those conversations. And the final thing which is really going to allow you to build a good working relationship is this idea of listening and listening actively. And that doesn't mean just nodding your head and, and pretending that you're taking it in. 
It means listening to what the other person's saying. It means asking questions about something that they've said. It's about making sure that you're, you've switched off your technology and you're focusing on the conversation at hand. I'm sure we've all had this experience where we've been talking to someone and the person's been nodding and smiling and then when you look back to it, they often don't remember what was said or they can't remember even having that, that part of the conversation and it's that, that element of distraction. So I'm really, really keen for everyone to really think about how can they develop their listening skills so that they become better listeners. Next thing I'd like you to, to think about is some, some new content that uh, Synergen's developed and it, it's really about identifying the roles of your colleagues and, and where you think they fit against these four descriptors. And it, it's, a, it's a really interesting perspective because I've only run this particular part of our training uh, one or two times and, and it's been a really interesting topic for discussion and, and people are very clearly able to start to segment their colleagues and where they think they fit. So the first um, role that I'd like you to consider is the ally. And the ally's motto is that I'm right here with you. So these are the people, or your colleagues specifically, that has your back. It's an unconditional relationship. It's one that you can depend on during the good and the tough times. You're as much invested in their success as they are in yours. And I think it's it's, it's really interesting to think about. So who, who are my allies within my, my colleagues? I'd also like you to think about who fits into the definition of a supporter. And so the supporter's motto is, I'm right behind you. These are the people that they're always fun, nice to work with. They're part of your fan club. They always give you good feedback. And they can always be relied on to help out when, when times are good. And so who are those supporters in your team? Can you clearly think about who they might be? The next definition I'd like you to think about is the rival. And the motto of the rival is, I'm ahead of you. And so what rivals do is they behave in an overtly competitive way. They become very competitive. And this quite often happens when you have people at the same level and the, it comes about that a promotion might be uh, or an opportunity might be coming up for someone to move up into a higher level. And so what the rival does is they very much try to position themselves as the only choice and they try to put themselves ahead of you. And so it suits when it suits them, they work with you. When it doesn't suit them, they're, they're not. And the final one, this is probably the most troublesome and probably going to give you the most stress. And I'm hoping that you don't have anyone in this, in this category, but it's the adversary. And the model of the adversary is I'm against you. So these are the ones where someone is going to challenge you every single time. These are the, the relationships where they will come right out in public and, and, and say, don't agree, I'm, I'm, I'm not with you on that. These are the ones where potentially it can get quite malicious. And sometimes in the worst case scenarios, they'll deliberately undermine you and potentially try to damage your reputation in your career. So to recap on that, how many allies do you have within your colleagues? How many supporters do you have there? How many rivals? And hopefully you have no adversaries. So, so far we've been looking at characteristics. We've been looking at how to build it. And I think the leader also has a responsibility to create a sense of trust within the team that reports to them. So I wanna walk through 11 elements which are important if you're gonna create trust amongst your, your teams. 
And the first element is this idea of being a good role model. Remember, your team is watching everything your you do. Your team is judging you. Your team is watching you. And I think one of the greatest challenges leaders have at the moment is that the definition of leadership is changing. It's changing because Google has given everyone access to, to information about what good leadership looks like. And so anytime at all, someone can go into their iPhone, they can go into their laptop and say, what does good leadership look like? They can download X amount of articles and then they can compare you against it. This is happening. And I think many, many leaders aren't, aren't across this idea that the definition of leadership is changing because of people's access to technology and information. So I'd like you to take that moment and think about, are you being a good role model? Are you demonstrating trust? Second element is this idea of being honest. And look, it's an interesting one because I'm not always sure that people set out to be dishonest, but I think there, there's this element of where, you know, if you make it a foundation of how you go about things, if you demonstrate an openness about what you're doing and, you know, what you're thinking and your vision, your team will start to respond to this in a really positive way. And I think people will start to trust you if they can count on you to tell the truth, even when this is hard. So even when you're delivering information which isn't positive, be honest. Third thing I'd like you to think about in terms of creating trust in teams is this idea of being a team player. So one of the things which I or one of the ideas I subscribe to is that you don't have to treat people badly to climb the career ladder. You can treat people with respect, you can look after people and you can build solid relationships and still be the career-driven individual that, that you are. And I think that we all perform better when we're part of a team. We need a team to perform better because as a leader, your results are basically a reflection of what your team is able to do and what your team is able to do with their teams, if, if depending on how many layers of leadership are under you. And so this idea of being part of a team, it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Some people are more inclined to just go off and do their own thing. But people that are team players and making sure that you give them the credit, that, that shows that you're, you're trustworthy. That shows that you're building trust within the people in your team. Fourth element of creating trust in teams is this idea of being transparent. And so people will trust you more if they can see at any time why decisions are being made the way they are. And this comes from you being transparent with the information that you share. And again, people understand why you're doing what you're doing. Now, even if it's it's something which they don't necessarily agree with, they'll at least appreciate the fact that you're doing it for a particular reason. It's, it really gets down to this idea of setting context and allowing people to see what's going on. The fifth element of creating trust in teams is this idea of not being a micromanager. So far, having trained thousands of leaders, I often ask who likes to be micromanaged and no one puts their hand up. And I think this is its a reflection of the fact that we all want to be trusted to do our roles well. Now, there, there is a point in any employee life cycle where they're going to need more direction. And that generally happens when they first start in a new role or they, or they start a new task. They need a little bit more direction, of course. But that doesn't mean that you're over their shoulder every five minutes checking what they're doing and then not letting them know what's coming next until they finish that piece. So the idea of being a micromanager is something which I think we all need to just take a moment. Uh, how, how are we managing? Because no one likes that. The sixth element of, an, of creating trust in teams is this idea of being an effective communicator. And so managers who communicate openly and frequently build stronger relationships. So this is something to think about if you have an office, is your door open or closed? 
how often do you get out from behind the laptop or your computer and go out and talk to the people? How, do you, how much do you let people know in your teams what you're thinking, what you're experiencing? And I think this is an important one because too many times we get stuck emailing all the time and we don't pick up the phone or we don't go out and walk face-to-face and talk to different people. So I think it's really important to think about you know, how effective are you in your communication. Remember, two most effective ways of communicating are face-to-face and phone. They're the only two direct forms of communication. Everything else is, is indirect. So as much as possible, build your relationships around those two things. Seventh thing for or element of creating trust in teams is this idea of being reliable. And this is where you really need to keep your word because what happens is your team picks up very quickly on insincerity and broken promises. And so you need to be visibly keeping your word because that will reinforce the sense of trust that your team has in you. I'd also like you to think about ethics and where your ethics sit and what's important to you in terms of standards and values. And I think that if your team has a strong sense of ethics, they're certainly going to be more productive and resourceful because they understand how the team operates. And I think that we can all all think about what our personal ethics are and also match that against our company ethics. Because if the company ethics and our personal ethics are not aligned, you're going to feel a sense of conflict as a leader and this is going to cause you potential challenges as you go through your career. The ninth element is this idea of being consistent and predictable. And this is really where people want to know how you're going to react in a situation. People don't like coming to work and thinking, oh, I don't know how my boss is going to react to this. Whether it be good news, bad news, whatever it is, they want you to be consistent and predictable. So you've got to behave and act in a consistent manner. That way your team will trust you. Tenth element is this idea of always being accessible and responsive. So you've got to make yourself available. And sometimes this is really, really, really challenging. Sometimes you're so focused in what you have to do that you don't have time to invest in your team, that you don't have time to have those conversations which are around building the quality of relationship. But it's really, really important that you don't silo yourself off from your team. So you've got to be accessible, you've got to be responsive. And the final thing which is really going to start to create a sense of trust within your team is this idea of your language. And your language needs to be inclusive. It's got to be about us, not about them. And so I think this really, you can really illustrate this point uh, quite, quite quickly with a sports analogy, which is when our sporting team, and it doesn't matter what code you follow, when your sporting team wins, you tend to say, we won, as though you're almost on the ground playing the game with them. But when your sporting team loses, you tend to say they lost. It's almost as though you're trying to distance yourself from them. And so that's what the why language is such an important thing, because you want your team to feel included. You want your f- team to feel as though they're part of it. Win, lose, or draw, you want your team to be united in that sense of team. That's how you're going to build trust. So those 11 elements, just to quickly recap, be a good role model, be honest, be a team player, be transparent, don't micromanage, focus on being an effective communicator, be reliable, be ethical, be consistent and predictable, be accessible and responsive, and always consider your language. So the next um, part of this podcast I'd like to share with you is how you can go about building trust with your clients. Now, I know not all of you are going to have a client-facing relationship, 
But I, all, I always believe that we all have a responsibility to our clients. And sometimes, depending how your business is structured, there'll be multiple touch points with your clients. And so I think the, the, the better understanding you have of your clients, and the better quality of relationship you, you have with your clients, the more likely it is you're going to get to that point, which I call customer connection, which is where you, you, the experience and the service level and all of those things that everyone speaks about now that's all that's all done that's all past because you've got this true connection with your clients and customers so there's four things i'd like you to, to think about when it comes to building trust with your clients and the first one is this idea of research and this is about spending time learning about them learning about their history trying to understand what their current needs are you know you might be in a position to go out and see a site you can do research online i mean technology is an amazing thing it gives us this, this instant access to resource and information that we didn't have. And so through just the company's website, you can do it through people's LinkedIn profiles. You start to get a bit of a sense about what's important to them, who they are, what their experiences have been. So if you do a little bit of research, you'll find that you're going to have a better quality of relationship with your clients and you'll be able to better understand what their problems are, what their challenges are, and you'll be able to deliver a better quality solution. Second thing I'd like you to think about in building trust with clients is do what you'll say you'll do. And I know it sounds obvious, but how many times have we all experienced where some supplier said to us, I'll do this, and they haven't done it. I know that I've been guilty of saying it as, as a supplier, and so I think that if we're all honest with ourselves, we've really got to turn the lens on ourselves and say, Matt, I've always got to try in every way to do what I said I'm going to do. And if you can't do it, get on the front foot and let people know. So it's about keeping your words, about saying and, and demonstrating what's important to you. So do what you say you're going to do. Third thing I'd like to think about is about explaining the details. So again, this is going to come back to you having a good understanding of the, the personality types of your customers and clients. Some are going to want more detail than others. I'd like you to think though that you're prepared to explain the details to whoever wants to know what those details are. You can always take your time to explain your words, your actions, your motivations, how you're delivering a service, how compliance will will factor in, you know what 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 the process is, how you're going to onboard, whatever situation applies to you. Take the time to explain the details. People will feel safe knowing that they're in safe hands. And I think the final thing to really think about when you want to build trust with clients is this idea of clarifying expectations. So you really need to understand what their expectations are so that you can set about meeting them. If you just make the assumption that you know what their expectations are, there's a chance you might miss. And so I think it's it's really important to ask yourself, you know, what are you really expecting out of this? I know in our business we always ask people and our clients when we're talking to them, what do you really want to achieve out of a leadership program, out of a safety program, out of a lean program? What do you really want to achieve? Quite often they'll say a whole range of different things. For some it's succession planning, for some it's better communication, for some it's that my my team have a better way of managing poor performance. Every organisation is different in terms of their agenda, their reason that they're looking to engage us and I imagine that that's very, very true of many other businesses. It's not always about price, they just want a good price. They want, they want service and they want it at a certain level and they want it for their particular reasons. So you need to understand what their reasons are so then you can go about making sure that you meet them. Now, 
As we get as we draw to the end of this this content episode, I'd like you to introduce you to a couple of ideas around how you can rebuild trust. Now, this is a tough one because I think first position is that we never want to break trust. We always want to make sure that once we've gained a level of trust, we want to keep it, we want to maintain it, we want to develop it, and we want to deepen it. So, you know, it's interesting to think about how trust gets broken. And some of the, the common reasons are people acting or speaking inconsistently, people striving to have some level of personal gain over the team success, withholding information, telling lies or maybe only the partial truth, and people not opening their minds to new ideas and new innovations. So if you have got a situation where you think some trust has been lost, take the time, sit down, acknowledge it, have that difficult conversation, and and, and, and see what you can do to start to rebuild it. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. Some people, depending on their personality styles, will be quicker than others to allow you to try to rebuild that trust. But it's really about acknowledging it, understanding it. If it's something you've done, owning it, saying, yep, no, I'll put my hand up. That is what I did or said or how I behaved. And I think that that, that level of honesty starts you on the journey back to rebuilding trust. So key points around that is we have to trust the people we work with. And if we don't, we won't feel confident that we can be vulnerable in front of them. We all know that organisations with a high level of trust are always more successful more effective and more innovative. So I really like you to think about, in terms of the trust, what's what's the what's the status quo? Are there any examples that you can think of where you, you really need to put a bit of effort into rebuilding it? Because that will lead you to a better quality relationship. So the final thing I'd like to just share with you over this, this, this episode is, I'd like you to think about four questions. And these are four questions which you can uh, ask yourself which will really enable you to start to really build solid relationships. Now, earlier on, a number of episodes ago, I introduced you to the nine relationship groups. So I would like you to go back to that episode, grab those nine relationship groups, and I'd like you to start and ask yourself these four questions. And the four questions are these. First one is, what's working well? So you go through each of those nine relationship groups and you ask yourself, what's working well? You know, what's working well in my team with my manager, my customers, my suppliers? I'd also like you to ask yourself, what could be better? This is really where we start to think about, well, we don't always communicate as frequently as we should, or I don't feel as though I can always be as totally honest as I could, or I can't be myself in front of this person, whatever it is, what could be better? And again, I'd like you to ask yourself that question over those nine relationship groups. I'd like you to think, third question, what are the challenges? What are the challenges that you have in, in the particular relationship? Is it a personality thing? Is it a distance thing, a geography thing, an experience thing? Is it a confidence thing? What are the challenges? What gets in your way? You know, people often say to me the challenges of, of, of leading a remote team. One of the challenges is that you don't get that interaction face to face. So I'd like you to think about what are the challenges? And importantly, Probably most importantly is the fourth question I'd like you to ask against all of those nine. And that is, what are the opportunities? Where can you really start to build a depth of relationship? Is there an opportunity for you to build it with your manager? Now, I was talking, talking to a, working with a, a senior leadership team last week and, and they were talking about the fact that quite often their, 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 their meetings 
they're not in the right mindset. There's just quite often this feeling of we want to get in and we want to get out. Well, I'm going to encourage you to think about you know, meetings are a great way. Should they be structured the right way to build a depth of relationship? You know, for some people, it's you know having their drinks after work. For some people, it's doing social things. You know, you hear about all the team bonding exercises people do. You know, they go paintballing, they go go karting, they go skydiving. They do all sorts of things. Are they opportunities that work for you? Many of the industrial clients we work with, you know, focus on doing the monthly barbecues or whatever it might be. You know, one of the one of the things which I'm seeing a bit of a trend now is this idea of lunch and learn where you sit around a table, you have uh, some lunch together and, and, and you, you focus on you know, what, learning something. And it could be you, know, you watch a TED talk or you watch something or you talk about a, a particular idea and, and you build, build team that way. So there's always ways to build the relationships and I'd like you to really focus in on those opportunities. So just to recap, those four questions are what's working well, what could be better, what are the challenges and what are the opportunities? So that pretty much wraps up this this content episode. I, I'd like to think that there's some really some really valuable points here for you to consider, and I'd like you to go away and and have a think about the depth and quality of the relationships you have, and where you think you might be able to improve them and, and build them and develop them. Because ultimately, I do believe that relationships are a key to your success as a leader. And so. Uh, once again, you know, just signing off, would love to hear what you think. So feel free to shoot me through an email. Uh, and, and again, if you, if you want the training material that we've developed around this, just, again, flick me an email and I'm happy to send it out to you. And, you know, because I think what ultimately that will do is, you know, we'll start to really start to build a, a better quality of leader. Happy listening. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Synergy and Leadership Podcast. I trust you found it interesting. A couple of things. If you could go online and leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. Really help us in uh, spreading awareness of the podcast. Happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And if you want to shoot me through an email, julian at synergygroup.com.au. See you next time.